0: Hi, and welcome to My Gaming Academia, a podcast where we discuss gaming as it relates to psychology and sociology. My name is SprintSpeed, a.k.a.
1: Reza. And I'm Javon, a.k.a. J. And I'm Eric,
2: a.k.a. Hysteric.
1: And this is Episode 8, Choose Your
0: Adventure. So, we're trying to talk about dynamic storytelling today, and... Uh, I know that's not like a term that's super widespread. So I guess just to give some background around it, it's basically the concept that when you're presenting your audience with the story, they kind of have the tools to shape the direction it goes, or basically where the story and the characters and the the decisions they make. It kind of gives some agency to the player or the audience or some way.
2: We're thinking games like, you know, like Mass Effect, Skyrim. You determine how it all plays out in a way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Have you guys played any games or consumed any media with this dynamic storytelling concept recently?
2: Well, it's funny that you mentioned the, like any other general media, because the thing is that with dynamic storytelling, I and you find that mostly as um, a video game, right? Being that video games are the ones that let you have a lot of major control over how everything plays out, we make a joke about it in that in our title here that it's choose your adventure. But like that's kind of coming from like choose your adventure books and things like that, or maybe even um, the most other prominent example I can think of is like the Black Mirror Bandersnatch movie. I think that's the name of it. Mm-hmm. It's where you are making choices, but it's kind of like you only just pick kind of like which fork in the road to choose rather than Uh actually how the character goes about it in a way, like with video games, right. In any game that even has like a relatively linear story, like maybe something like final fantasy, you still kind of have this, um, agency in the sense of like you choose how the fight goes down in a sense because you're choosing like what strategy to use to kill the boss or something. Right. And that,
0: that idea makes me pretty excited for video games as, I guess, a creative art form, if you want to refer to it as such. Just because in the history of human storytelling, <clears throat> there hasn't really been a way to give your audience the, the steering wheel, basically, until video games were really created. <clears throat> and I think it just... It, it's such a cool concept that like now in the modern era, people can interact with tales and characters they love, uh, in a really unique way. So I really enjoy those kinds of settings. Uh, I know Bioware, I really like how a lot of the, a lot of the times you can interact with different characters and like storytelling decisions, uh, in a really fun way.
1: Yeah. Um, for me, uh, when I think about games as they relate to like this dynamic storytelling element, I think about the telltales franchise games, um, Uh, which are a whole bread and butter is you start out, you know, maybe making a small decision and those small decisions can lead up to those, you know, grander, big decisions. I'm thinking of the wolf among us, uh, which was my first telltales games. And I, and I love that. I'm also thinking of, another game called Life is Strange. And that game is still the last game that I've played um, quite some time that made me cry um, at the at the end because oh, of, wow. like, because it's just the narrative and how, yeah, like the narrative and, like, the characters and how, in some way, you have control in how they develop uh, over time, how they interact with people, uh, and especially the ending um, just really, really got to me. Uh, but the thing about these kinds of games is that uh, to some extent, um, you as the player may not have all the freedom of choice because at the end of the day, someone had to create what you can or cannot involve yourself in. And sure. I remember uh, that uh, um, Life is Strange only gives you two uh, particular endings and both kind of suck in terms of <laughs> not because it's bad per se in terms of story but it just the two endings in and of itself um
0: they weren't like it
1: just it's they're both unpleasant um experiences (laughs) right and it seems like there is no middle like middle more how do you say um, cheerful. I'm trying to think of like another synonym for that, but the, sure. the just the two choices are just like okay. So in this game, you give me like four options for everything else, but when it comes to the ending, you're just like, nah. You either do this or 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 you do that, and <laughs> bad or worse. Right. And that's essentially what it is. Right. That's it, that's really what it is. Is like you the pick this option where it, it you know. I don't want to spoil it, but, and screw it, that game's been out for a while. If you haven't played it, oh well. Uh, Spoiler alert. So in the end of the game, you either get to choose having to sacrifice your friend or you let this tornado that's about to hit the town basically destroy the town, and you and your friend, like, basically drive off uh, into the distance with each other. And it's just like, what that's not fair like i have to to choose either of like having someone die or let a whole town die this sucks like i don't want anyone to die and honestly the way the narrative is constructed there could have been a way to not have um people die by this tornado and still have your friend alive Um, that that's
2: I, i think that's one of the charms of the game in a sense, or like in general like the charms of these kinds of things because uh that's again like how you pick it right hmm. you've kind of built everything up to this point like you based on the choices you've made in the, your gameplay, you are now more or less attached to the no, to this friend or the town right uh with the way it played out
1: mm-hmm.
2: I personally remember that uh you were there when i finished the game and chose the ending uh you had chosen uh let the town live the ending and you chose to kill mm-hmm. the best friend mm-hmm. i remember but i was like nah i ate this town so i so i i blew them up i'm like yeah they were assholes like the way i experienced most of the town because of the choices i made mm-hmm. i was just like nah, these guys are total pricks like this place can burn to the ground for all I care. And that's something that I think is very, very unique to the gaming sense, right? Because even though the characters are written in different ways that you can experience different ways, your choices end up making it so that you do experience them differently, right? Yeah. And, that's and then the, the
0: way thing. you're kind of engaging in that conversation shifts, I guess, Within the larger, like, social bubble, where it's less about what did you think about it, but like, what did you do?
2: Right, exactly. Like, because when you play this game, you know, or just in general, like these kinds of telltale games with other people, it also creates that social behavioral thing where I remember, uh, when i was younger my best friend and i we would play game series like sly cooper, ratchet and clank and jack and daxter mm. and we played through the series of each of those games in an order even though we we played them multiple times through but the way it ended up being was that we would do things slightly differently each time or like basically it's like oh let's get this power up first or like let's do this mission first and sure. say, like let's try to undo this and how we played was it was also like playing together. It was kind of like, oh, we're tag teaming this. My best friend, he was very good at platforming, so he would do the the majority of the game being that. But the elements that required, you know, piloting a a ship and like doing like space combat or vehicular combat, I was m- much better than him at it, so I would take over and run those and so that's also a sort of unique experience that you get with these things in a in like a book it's kind of like oh we have a book club you all read it individually and you just kind of converse about it and like mm-hmm. a movie like yeah you can watch it together but you're all kind of seeing the same thing and then you're just like oh what are your thoughts about it but with a video game you completely experience it like entirely differently whether you play it together by yourself and then again, the discussions you have afterwards are even can be even more different based on those choices that we've made. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm And so with going off the what you just mentioned, right? Um, it makes me think about just the overall like creation of, of these kinds of storylines. Um, like from a developer standpoint. Um, I know for me, when I took a a narrative design course um, at my institution, we it, we had to create, you know, like these different trees, right? So one decision leads to multiple decisions, and all these other things, and you have to thread them in in a kind of way where you want certain tones or, or character developments to happen, but still allow the player to feel as though that they have some agency to it, and so as a from like me being in a developer, I was definitely thinking about okay, what do I want to bring to the table to this? But then taking this a step further, it makes me think about the many people who also have like these different ideas of what to bring to the table for story. But unfortunately, um, not everyone's story gets to be told in the way they want to tell it. By like these shifting dynamics of power, right? Like for me, when I was creating the game, it was just me. Okay. So they're prime CEO, yeah, kind of, uh, <laughs> whatever you want, in that full artistic I'm, liberty. Exactly, um, but that's not um, that's not the same across the board in, in the in the games industry. So I wonder your thoughts about you know how do we think about dynamics of power, right? Or how these different kinds of ways of thinking. Um,
0: like Within the company, the different stressors that are kind of pulling at, oh, we need the romantic lead to get with the romance int- or with like the main character versus if like the storytelling folks say like, no, killing the
1: whole town is a better story for us. Like you're talking about that tension. Yeah. Like this is an outsider's perspective into, into game development, but I think that we can still engage in this kind of like kind of like thinking through uh a little bit about okay um how do we think developers try to engage us in stories because uh i'm sure that we all have the experience of playing a game where it's just like this game is fun but i can't tell
2: you, <laughs> can't tell you or remember what the story was <laughs> i think For me, like when I'm hearing, like, oh, things like you mentioned, not everyone's story gets to get told or something, I'm thinking more like representation, to be honest,
1: Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm.
2: Like games like GTA or like Mafia and et cetera, those are primarily like white or black characters in a way. So, one of those things that stands out is kind of like the Yakuza games Mm. or more specifically sleeping dogs, right? Most of these things where they explore gangs and whatnot, they explore traditionally white or black gangs, but there are criminal activities that exist for both the Japanese and Chinese sort of cultures being the Yakuza and triads specifically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what's the story of those? Mafia, it's like, oh, you get you get a peek into Italian mob and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, GTA, you just, you know, really fantasy spin on classic American gangs. Mm-hmm. And then, but Sleeping Dogs is like, oh, uh, we're doing something with where it's a Hong Kong police officer dealing with triads or something. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. It's just like, you think about it, like most of these main character games, right? Like, what is the... What is the representation there? Like, are they really dealing with certain cultures, correct? In general, games developers, as I understand, will do various user studies. They will put test players through like, oh, does this story element or like, does this mechanic work well for you?
0: So when it relates, as it relates to like kind of the idea of giving the audience control in this kind of dynamic environment, uh, are you saying... They shouldn't basically half ass it where if you're giving people multiple options, you should include, I guess, a broader representation.
2: Right. You can pick those stories and you can kind of give players a way to experience that story in a way that they are much more tied to it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that now to me, that's where what Javon was mentioning, like the dynamics of power, oh, our certain um you know stories being told or not to me that's more what it is
1: Hmm.
0: you see that like as a as a larger problem you mean
2: well no i just i'm just saying like in terms like stories right because i do feel like a lot of various gameplay choices or how a certain story plays out it's very like black box you know like like javon mentioned we're outside looking in Mm -hmm. so. There could be various other elements to you know, writing something. People will often complain about how a show's writing has taken a direction, right?
0: I mean, when when we talk about that, the different power structures, I guess, within companies and such, um, I think that's important to bring up, though, that if you have a large staff and a diverse group of people working on a project, I imagine all of them want some input. Um, and I guess... I would imagine it's difficult to when you're maybe the head of a project to balance how many cooks you have in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. But do you guys, so I guess one question I would have is what do you guys feel are the core tenets that you would have to keep in mind to make sure that you are kind of, if you're leading a project, if you were the person creating a game, what, what are you prioritizing to make sure that, the audience has in terms of their options. And so I guess, Eric, this sounds like you really value the idea that if there are multiple characters and multiple ways you're interacting with a story, you, that you have robust representation from a number of cultures. Um, not to say, Javon, you don't value that, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Is there anything like if you are the head of a studios there something that you would really want to keep in mind?
1: I would want to, um, I will want to challenge my own biases in terms of what okay. I think um, the player base um, would enjoy, right? Because if I'm like running or like producer, lead, you know, lead producer or whatever on this game, um, I would think one of my jobs would be to think about, okay, who what's the audience? Like, who am I like, making this game trying to sell this game to and also should i be um steadfast in my approach of not trying to you know rock the boat or should i um think about maybe the only way to push my game forward is to challenge my audiences thus challenging also myself and what i think my audience wants and when I'm challenging my mm-hmm. assumptions, my biases, I need to be informed by others. I need to be informed by other, like, literature. Yeah, I was going to say, like, words. how do you know what your biases are? Right. Uh, and some of those things just comes up by fact of your interactions with, with others, right? So either in our own you know, personal lives or professional lives, we think... Uh, about certain people in different ways um we may we all have certain assumptions uh and so in a gaming context we may have an assumption of what a character should be like and be from all depending upon like their skin color right so just because this person this gaming character is you know of african-american descent doesn't necessarily mean they have to Hell from the inner city doesn't mean that they have to have such a struggle of an upbringing, doesn't mean they have to have this particular kind of vernacular to them. Um, you're saying we don't have to wear baggy street clothes and listen to <laughs> hip hop music? I know it's a, it's a <laughs> crazy radical idea, but I'm all about the radicalness, so yes, oh, wow. that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, if you haven't realized, black people actually can actually wear like <laughs> khaki pants some i dare say wear polo shirts every so often oh my I, god i know right it's craziness so but in order to get there right you have to be willing enough to talk to a variety of people and that comes down to the people that you work with right yeah uh, and so you have to make sure that the people that you're talking to also have varying opinions right and sometimes it's the folks that have the almost diametrically opposed opinions that can help enrich your game because that could tap into a different kind of audience, right? Uh, So you can still keep the same audience you have. And of course, you may lose some people, but you also may gain uh, others uh, depending on the perspective, right? But of course, as you mentioned, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Yeah, so I guess... mm -hmm.
0: I, I guess I know sometimes people will conduct like different research panels or focus groups to try to get some of that outside idea. But mm-hmm. I like that idea that you mentioned where asking your own people around you to kind of point out things, areas where maybe you have some bias. And I think that takes a lot of humility, which is commendable to kind of put yourself out there and be like, hey, you, we should put something that's opposite of what I believe in. Uh, And just kind of see where it goes with the fan response, because I definitely in I don't know if I can think of any examples off the top of my head, but I know with some of these different branching path or character type games, there's like different options that I just I think to myself, why would anybody go that route? And
1: then (laughs) Mm -hmm. the
0: world surprises me.
1: Hmm. Hmm. right there were, i mean there were games like in fable um where you get to i think it's fable well most of the fable games they really just have you play between these two like you either are good or, or you're bad and i think fable 3 did a slightly better job of at least pulling more uh different dimensions that are not just okay this is all bad or this is all good there are like here are these gray areas that you can play in uh-huh and i think it's those will come up those gray areas come up when you are engaged in conversations with your own development staff where sometimes things are not as black and white life is not as black and white as people put it out to be it's like most of it's pretty gray right but it's i think it's just those black and white areas that we can understand we can latch on to there is uh you feel as though that you may well for me i know and if i'm making a choice if it feels like okay i either like this thing or i don't like this thing i don't have to really think on it too much i don't have to like do more digging i don't have to get more information yeah all the information i have is right here um but it's that gray area i think that games can start to really start to open themselves up where it's just like you know, our our morales can shift and and it can change, right? Depending on the situation, and those games that allow me to explore those shifts and those changes, right? Those are the ones that are the hardest, but the most exciting because now, now I'm invested. Ooh, now you're part of it. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. that, <laughs> mentioning Fable, I guess makes me curious about another aspect of this dynamism within the story, where. With Fable and with Skyrim, one of the examples I think Eric mentioned earlier, you have this setting where it's like the blank canvas character and it represents the player. Sometimes, sometimes like you might or I might pretend it's me in that world, but sometimes you might be playing like an archetype, like, oh, I just want to be a villain this time. But then other games, uh, the one that comes to mind first is a fantastic dynamic storytelling game called uh, Detroit Become Human. In that scenario, you have the characters themselves are completely pre-written. And their like emotions and their personalities are already predetermined. But you get to decide what they do within the larger context of the story. Uh, do you guys do you guys have a preference for when you're playing? Do you like the preset character and you just choose their actions or do you tend to prefer the blank
2: canvas approach? I think both have their merits. It's more just a matter of how it's done because something like you mentioned, Detroit become human is a really, really good example of how, There are already predefined characters. And then you just choose what they do and you see how they interact with the world and everything. However, there are plenty of other games that have a very similar vein that are really, really bad. Hmm. Lots of games (laughs) that are very, very bad do this kind of thing. So, I wouldn't say one form is better than another, personally. I would okay. say, is it just, is the story good? It's <laughs> just the game good? No matter what method you choose, if your story and your game is bad, I'm not going to enjoy it regardless. <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs> and on that note, like, it frustrates me extra if, like, when there are certain <laughs> scenarios, they give you two options and then the two options like lead to the same conclusion or like it's mm-hmm. one line of dialogue that's different but it ties back into the exact same like narrative track i just sit there like bro why are you giving me the options tell me the story at this point don't mm-hmm. pretend like i can choose where this is going
2: <laughs> yeah and so that's another thing right it's kind of like if if you're not going to give meaningful options like that then you know, maybe how does one guide a player through mm. the narrative such that they feel like the choices they've made up to this point and the uh, and the experiences they're having in the game are unique, right? How do you make it so that your gameplay kind of fills in and works through that narrative rather than just be, you know, being straight out? We're just going to give you... Like, Four hours of cutscenes to tell the story, and then lets you do some like in- mostly insignificant stuff in the middle, like as you do your game and whatnot. You know, like yeah. that's what I mean. But, like, there's plenty of games that do that thing where they have predefined characters. And it's like, it, it's all told in the freaking cutscenes. Like, how? Like that? That's not fun. It's like watch a movie at that point. Yeah, I
0: I like one part that Javon mentioned earlier, where it's like be willing to take the risk if you're. If you're a developer that wants to include different options, then go down that path, like see where that leads you, even if it doesn't seem like an amazing place from the get go. Um, And then I also think it's important for video games specifically to allow people to tell that story through gameplay instead of just dialogue so, because I know you mentioned like with the game you played with your cousin, that there's like levels where maybe you're playing with a vehicle or something or another uh, or another tool. I think better inclusion of like maybe if you solve a mission with a boat, the story goes in a direction where the player's like on a boat. Versus if you solve it like on foot, maybe that goes into a different direction like that. I think weaving the narrative differences into the gameplay is my perfect kind of ideal scenario where you're giving people the real agency of like, wow, I feel like I caused this.
2: Yeah, for sure. Also, best friend, not cousin, but... um, Sorry,
0: I misremembered.
2: A, yeah, but... I think one thing that we kind of touched on at the beginning, right, was that video games being kind of like an art form, right? So it's interesting because like movies that are very – or TV shows or you know, just any other like really popularized kind of media like that that has a lot of corporate input – they are an art form but at the same time they're a business right yeah so it's kind of a weird line to walk because devon's like oh you want to take that risk and it's like yes as a creative artist i'm pretty sure most game writers and game designers and even the and even like the programmers would love to come up with like these interesting things to try to do and take a risk and do all that but, you know, there's a corporate formula for success and everything. And yeah. societally speaking, you know, these these businesses are businesses. They're going to have to drive these sort of profit-making business practices forward first. So and I, I feel like we see that a lot more now because it's like, if you think about how games have developed over the years, back in the day, it was a lot harder for various game mechanics to really... Be designed or anything. So, like, why certain games maybe have been so good is that you just try these various things, and now that those things have hit success, we're now formulaic because games has right. been people are risk averse,
0: game- and if you're putting a hundred million dollars, okay, maybe not that much. That's more movie budget, but if you're putting like ten million dollars on the line in development, obviously they feel like they need to stick to what is guaranteed quote unquote to work.
2: Right. If you just look at any industry in general, it they follow a relative formula like things follow the best trends. And generally speaking, even in any sort of field where you're doing the work and anyway, not even the one consuming it, you have quote unquote best practices in the job. What's the best way to do this, right? Right. And mm-hmm. so it's hard, I feel. And I think that's why we do appreciate the the risks when they are taken, but there's a reason it's a risk because formulaically speaking, people in general are creatures of habit, right? Like psychologically speaking, we're just creatures of habit. So we like what's familiar. So when someone ventures outside the box like that, it's always a risk. And if that risk hits the nail on the head, then boom, everyone's mind is blown But if you miss it, then I mean you just threw your money down the drain. Yeah, and to some extent,
0: that's also true for the audience. Like they also like what's familiar, but you do want to introduce some change. So I guess it's kind of like identifying the core concepts that you think are the ones you shouldn't change. Where like if Activision Blizzard releases a new Call of Duty and they change the way guns work, that people will be rioting on. The forums, <laughs> um, but then you also have like a lot of critics that say like Call of Duty is the same game released every year for now seventy dollars looking like going forward. Um, so I guess again it's a lot of that balance that you <laughs> probably have to try to navigate through, but. I would again say, then make that conscious choice. If you don't want to have to do that balance, then don't go down a dynamic storytelling route. Just tell a game and tell it well. You can do that if it's a linear story.
2: I mean, I will say this. Game developers have generally been very bad at balancing. (laughs) I mean, take a look at League of Legends. Take No, look at Tekken. Take a look at Overwatch. Take a look at any competitive multiplayer game. Like, bruh.
0: (laughs) Hot take. I think League of Legends is very well. I don't know about right now with pre patch, but you know, the 2020 it was a very balanced game overall. Anyways, I don't want to dive into that. That's a separate topic.
2: <laughs> that, uh, that was just more like a jab. But,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, Javon, were there any other thoughts you had around or what, what other things you think are critical to keep in mind? if maybe you're an audience purchasing stuff versus if you're a developer creating the products.
1: I would say as an audience member, uh, as a person that is a con, I would say consumer as a consumer of, of, of games. Right. And if you are consuming games that are heavily based in their story, right. Um, one must kind of grow, comfortable in the uncomfortability of these you know changes and where do these changes sometimes we play games um especially franchise I would say franchise we play franchises because there are certain characters that we love and we want those characters to grow in in a way that challenges them but doesn't necessarily destroy the overall um I would say essence or sense of morale that the character had in previous games. And so when games do that, right. It's just kind of like, well, you kind of just destroy this entire character, right. Or you let this character go. Like if you're going to kill this character, make sure the character dies off in a way that doesn't seem frivolous. Oh, right. Yeah. But then we also have characters where it's just like, Oh, the only reason why this character is in here is to fulfill this particular niche, small, almost insignificant part of the game, and you just let them go. Uh, and so it's almost weird to say, but it's like, I want to get attached to certain characters, but when a new game comes out, I am more nervous about the new game because they could easily make the character that I've grown to love uh, either better um show more of their sense of character development or completely destroy them and i don't want to <laughs> say those are the only two routes of course again there's that gray area so if my character starts to become more and more into like these like moral quandaries or dilemmas i think that's interesting territory to explore that's on that end uh, on the developer end it's so it's like, it's multiple things in tandem, right? It's just like, okay, how big is your studio and who is fronting the money, right? That's the big question. Who's fronting the money? <laughs> the big boss or bosses of this company want you to rock the boat, right? Because if you rock this particular boat, then all y'all could be out of the job, right? Which yeah. is um, sad to say, but very true, which is why it's like when a new game comes out from a developer, um, then it's exciting, but also, I know that they're also utilizing maybe certain, you know, ways of thinking or game mechanics that are familiar with other games, uh, different kinds of storytelling, uh, different ways to, like, for gameplay that are reminiscent of other games, right? But then they add in, like, here's these small changes, right? Or here's these small character nuances um, that makes our game special without a completely alienating uh the audience right I like this very interesting balance of uh I want new experiences at the same time I like the way <laughs> you know the previous game was yeah. and I want more of, of that it's kind of like this interesting give and take I don't really know if that's like my hot take on the situation but that's just my overall I, thinking I think it's
0: exemplified through your experience with Life is Strange where mm-hmm. it was like different you didn't like you didn't like the ending per se it sounds like but it it was still a good game you can still appreciate it
1: yeah like i love the game i I really did love the game it's just that for the ending i was just like bro, like (laughs) this sucks i mean emotionally it sucks like i'm crying out of my eyes right now but then i also have to choose whose life or lives right to, to, yeah. to spare, right? And you know, to you know, to get rid of this is like, do I do this? And that's good almost... storytelling. Yeah. So yeah. So it's like in some ways, it's like I wish I had more options, right? But with the option given to me, I had to like dig deep, think about what <laughs> my experience as a player, what are the choices that I've made, and invested in into the space, into this virtual space, to make me pick who do I want? My best friend, right? at my side or like almost there's greater good where it's just like one life for the you know for, for many. many
0: yeah yeah, for
1: the sake. so in, in in that way it's it's cool in the other sense it, it's just like uh, why
2: <laughs> i think we're diving a little more into the show don't tell concept of storytelling and how video games do that uniquely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good ending point because that's our topic for next time.
0: Yeah, I am looking forward to that discussion. I think referencing some of the stuff we talked about today, definitely going to help that along, but any final closing thoughts on your guys in go play video games. They're good for you.
1: (laughs) And I would say if you want to start to um, dive into just like, creating a story especially for video games you don't have to hop into like the unities of the universe uh <laughs> you can start basically sure. on like a sheet of paper um or the engine twine i know you mentioned right like my first narrative uh designing experience started with twine which is a text based you can consider like a text based kind of video game um and there you go you just start it. it's free you just start and just see square boxes, and then you make these square boxes become more square boxes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then you hope it, it makes makes sense. So, if you want to start to dive in a little bit to like you know what is storytelling and how to make storytelling for a game, start out in Twine. It's, it's a it's a great time. Nice. All right. Uh, again, I am
0: Sprint Speed, aka Reza. Oh wait, God dang it! No. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know Bro, you keep mixing it up. One take. take. Uh, we only really do one take. Keep, keep
2: going. They know who I am.
1: Hey, I'm Jay Stoney, aka Javon.
2: And I'm Eric, aka Hysteric. Wait, I mixed it up this time. Damn it. You guys All are right. the opposite. You threw me off.
0: Okay, I'm leaving. I'll type to y'all later. Uh, bye. Peace <laughs> out.